I think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. Take one. Do you want anything from the shop? Call it out. Chocolate! It doesn't say anything about a chocolate, does it? No. No, it doesn't. Sure it doesn't. So fuck off! My boss says he can eat 50 eggs, he can eat 50 eggs. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not gonna take this anymore! You're certifiable, Quint, you know that? You're certifiable! Hello, Dimitri. Listen, I, I can't hear too well. Do you suppose you could turn the music down just a little? Oh, that's much better. Hello, listeners, and welcome to the 48th Spool Podcast with him, Pork McGough. Hello. And me, Nigel Wheatley. On this evening's pod, we're going to talk Star Trek Beyond, Ghostbusters, Blake Lively's shark film, The Shallows, The Neon Demon, and Wiener. And anything else? Oh, Galway Film Flat Roundup. Uh, oh, and the Galway Film Flat Roundup. And yeah. then we'll also look at what's coming in August. But first of all, we're going to travel to the bridge of Starship Enterprise. Proximity alert, sir. We have an unknown ship heading right for us. Tell it to Hora Helder. Yes, Captain. No response. I am picking up some kind of signal. They're jamming us. Magnify, Mr. Sulu. What is this? So, Shields Up, there you go. How many Star Trek films? Oh, no, I didn't those. read it. How many Star Trek films do you think we've had features? Uh, this is 12. This is number 13. Oh, close. There was a thing, kick the mic there. Uh, there was a thing years ago where there was like a huge disparity between odd and even. So all the odd Star Trek films were really bad and all the even ones were were really good. It's but I one. actually think this has sort of flipped because uh, Star Trek Into Darkness was sort of a mixed reaction to it. But anyway, this is the latest one. This comes uh, three or four years after the last one because producer, former director J.J. Abrams got mixed up doing other... He did some sort of obscure... He did some independent film, Star Wars or something last year, Star Wars. Um, and so he was doing that. He's he's on here as a, as a full-on producer. Everyone thought he would leave behind Star Trek, but he uh, produced it and then directed by Justin Lin, who people know from the Fast and Furious kind of series. Uh, it sees Chris Pine, Zachary Quinto, uh, Simon Pegg, Carl Urban, Zoe Saldana, John Chu, and Anton Yelchin all reprising their roles. Yeah, we're going to get to that. And then uh, two new faces in the form of Idris Elba and then Sofia Boutella. Did you see the Kingsman film? Yeah. Remember the one who sort of was sort of chasing them, got the legs sort of... Oh, yeah. That's her, I think. Oh, right. Lovely makeup. So anyway, not to give too much away, we've literally just come from this. We were were very lucky to be at the Irish... opening screening they call it a premiere i'm not gonna how can you like there's no red like well there was it was an irish premiere there it was literally stuff there. was the first public screening i guess and we were very lucky to be invited to that so uh it was it was a lovely atmosphere uh there at that but yeah this sees the uss enterprise crew they're they're three years into a five-year mission they're really really far into deep space and um they encounter they land on on a 
uh, Starfleet kind of looks like a space station but then when you get closer to it it's an entire world an it's entire like millions world. of people so, living on it I've forgotten what it was called it was called, it began with a T Yorktown Yorktown yeah Yorktown which sounds like a suburb of it sounds like, like a Bruce Springsteen song yeah or yeah New Jersey suburb or Toronto Canadian some sort of yeah. suburb but Yorkton we don't even know how to spell it but uh, this is it and it's kind of like a planet so they land there for a while but while there they get a distress signal so Kirk being super brave and he's also a, a little bit bored like he spent three years just exploring looking for like rocks and it's become a bit of a a, a, a challenge at this time mm-hmm. and so when he's like oh this sounds like a bit of an adventure Should we may as well go for it so he rounds up the crew they go to try to rescue uh, this planet but shit gets real and that's, it's what, a trap. that's from our clip it's literally a trap so but um, no one says it I was disappointed nobody said it but I suppose Star Wars owned that yeah so. so two things to note before we discuss this because I don't know what you thought about it uh, there's two big deaths that are hanging over this hugely so um, Anton Yelchin who we recently saw in Green Room and he was in Like Crazy and he's a nice actor. He's really nice. Yeah. Uh, plays Pavel Chekhov, almost certainly the least developed of the crew um, in terms of character in the last two films. Um, but kind of a fan favourite and he died a couple of months ago in an unusual accident where he was his own car crushed him against like his mailbox pillar or something. Just sounds like a freak mm. tragedy that he hopped out to grab his post. There's a bit at the towards the end of the film when uh, Kirk celebrates it's it's a Kirk yeah. celebrating thing and he's like he says to friends past and straight away cuts to Anton and I was like I wonder if in the post way. edit that. Yeah, yeah I'd not say, really. I'd say they did yeah um but then so that's one of the things that's a more recent thing and then last February so nearly 18 months ago now uh, Leonard Nimoy who is one of the most famous people in the world who played Dr. Spock and directed a number of the uh, the films in the 80s uh, or maybe just one one or two we'll have a clip from that later anyway. but uh, he died last February so there's, there's it's built into the story Ambassador Spock is being mourned by uh is he Commander Spock at this time? Yeah, I don't like know Zachary that. Like Zachary Quinto, Leonard Nimoy singing. Yeah, I don't Neither really tune us. into yeah. that too much. I'm just like, oh, I yeah. was a big Trekkie fan back in the day. And so it is nice to revisit it. And I do remember the warmth you kind of have for a lot of the characters. But it wasn't really warmth that I had more warmth for the, the next generation and uh, the Voyager and the even the new the reboot series, the Enterprise series and the things. But anyway, bottom line. I really enjoy this. It's a whirlwind of a ride. It's very, uh, it's really exciting the whole way through. Uh, they've paced it like br- phenomenally well. Like it kind of barely ever allows itself to dip and it doesn't feel like it's, it's, you know, a slave to either the prequels or well, whatever these are, the, the two most recent reboot films or also the original series. Like it pays homage to that, but because in the last film, timelines were just completely reset they're kind of out in their own thing and this is a very much our own james t kirk and there's a little nod at the very beginning of the film which uh sets up what i understand the next star trek film is going to possibly have where uh james uh, or jim kirk meets his father there's gonna be a bit of time travel so chris hemsworth oh cool people may or may not remember but uh in the first star trek uh, he's in it for like the first two yeah. seconds Chris Hemsworth is there just in I think it was 2009 before he really was you know Thor and super super famous so I think they're setting up a film mm. with the two of them in it so that's kind of exciting um, yeah yeah like the, the, it dips there's a, a bizarre um 
plot climax at the end of Act yeah, 3. Like, and kind of goes you back gotta to go the... along with it. You gotta go with the ride. Like Star Trek is really fun and yeah. it's about adventure, and this doesn't take itself too seriously. It's funny, it's adventure. The music for any of the battle scenes was quite funny. It was that very like uh 1950s kind of like dun 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 kind of and you're like all right fair enough um yeah it's just i don't have much love for star trek i never really got into it um so i don't have the same affection as other kind of sci-fi characters it was grand like it didn't drag wasn't boring but like just didn't really didn't care and it's it's just with all these big franchises it's just like a mathematical formula you know nobody massive is going to die um well with this in particular no one can die yeah although apparently and like Chekhov isn't going to be recast i thought they could have just re- okay yeah, CGI's well, yeah. On him killed. so like at the end you kind of know what's going to happen it's just like oh there'll be a big battle but like someone's going to get away because there has to be another battle with a hand-to-hand thing and yeah i was just kind of like ah, whatever yeah, uh, and like Scotty, Simon Pegg's very annoying. Simon Pegg is phenomenally annoying and continues to be. And he's he, getting worse. Like, yeah. and he's really like. And even whole... Chekhov is annoying as well with the Russian accent, in a way. And you, you're like, okay, we could do it less of that. Really, I love the Spock and Uhura, Uhura stuff. And Kirk is an, is a and good Bones character. Is, so. Like he's always my favorite kind of. Yeah. Since the 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 rejigged it, um, it was good. It looks pretty impressive. You know, there's a bit won't spoil it to do with the song and seeing that in screen one and fire like. Oh, Oh, that's pretty cool you know it's pretty kick-ass yeah um i, I thought that was jessica chastain oh yeah she kind of looks like her i want to just find out what her name is because I, I enjoyed uh jayla oh yeah jayla yeah. scotty keeps calling lassie and i was like how about you shut up yeah you know they do a nice bit at the end obviously star trek two of the other controversies around it that came out last week was that george takai didn't like that sulu was now gay yeah, I wondered when they were writing that, where they were like, oh, we'll make him gay because the guy who played him originally is gay. It's weirdly... It didn't really sit too well with me. I was like, I, it's cool that he is gay, but the, why pick like one of the world's favourite like gay rights figures People, and activists yeah. who's, who's been out for years and has been brilliant and he's mm. so beloved in pop culture um, and, and, and not run it by him as well. And t- kind of then turn it against him. It's like... Or like he becomes your biggest, you're like, no, I'm not cool with that. So then you're like, oh, he should have been at the original concept a bit, bring him in on that. So uh, Idris Elba plays, I liked him as a villain much better than uh, Benedict Cumberbatch as Khan in the last one. So he's playing, (laughs) yeah, spoiler for the last one. He's playing Kral here, which is cool. And I liked the way they tapped in to, there's there's some cool stuff going on there with sort of timelines, history of of the Federation and and all that. So yeah, I it's gonna. I I just wanted to go through this list of the other sort of top films of the year and like looking at what it's up against blockbuster wise. So hmm. if you take animations out of it, uh, we're gonna have Captain America: Civil War. I think it's better than that. I know you thought it was okay. Deadpool is sort of out on its own in terms of how much money it's made, and it's an eighteen. So hmm. that's next. Uh, Jungle Book is relatively animated Zootopia doesn't count Batman vs Superman it's not even on the same like planet it's infinitely better than that infinitely better than X-Men oh. Apocalypse like Central Intelligence kinda... film with The Rock like in terms of live action films from this year like Independence it's it's sort of in, in the mix aside yeah. from Deadpool but but like for me with the Star Trek films you never get any real depth to the characters it's more about the, the ethos of it or something like you realise the whole thing about this is war and soldiers and you know peace like Kirk is still you know there's no real look into in his soul kind of thing there's a 
bit of a thing at the start and then by the end it's all grand same with Spock same with everybody like there's no character development whatsoever like it's gradual a lot of it happens off screen you have to imagine it <laughs> um, anyway I'm up near the kind of four three and a half yeah four, no four I had a great time with it just enjoyed yeah. it the two hours zipped past it's very well yeah. you're right about formulas and how well these things but I'd rather that than yeah. something like Independence Day that just made oh true yeah yeah uh, I'm two and a half Straight down the middle. Yeah. That's sort of the forgettable score. Ah, well. True enough. Uh, on to other blockbusters. Well, it probably won't be a blockbuster, but uh, another franchise. It can't be a blockbuster because it doesn't have any men in it. Oh, true, true. Uh, Ghostbusters. Although it has Chris, Chris Opened Hemsworth. on the 4th of July on a Monday. Think, oh, yeah. I think it's Kirk's dad. He's quite a big part in it. Um, connection. And... Yeah, so got tons of controversy kind of when it first came out, as I think going down in history is the most disliked YouTube clip with maybe 900,000, and it has an all-female cast. It's directed by Paul Feig, um, who directed Bridesmaids and Heat, which I thought were two of the funniest comedies in the last few years. So it's got Kristen Wiig, Melissa McCarthy, Kate McKinnon, who's amazing in it, and Leslie Jones. So we'll just take a wee clip here from... And it's Leslie Jones introducing the ghost wagon to the rest of the people. Excellent. I'm going to open a window as well because it's so phenomenally hot because we've had a heat wave in Ireland. Oh, oh yeah. You get a car and you get a car and you get a car. <laughs> uh, you didn't disclose that the vehicle was going to be a hearse. I'm sorry. My uncle owns a funeral home, not an enterprise rent a car. Hope you checked to see there wasn't a body in the back. <laughs> uh, I don't really know. You didn't check? I mean, I was in a hurry. I, I checked to see if we had gas. That was more important. So there is a body? Let Hosman check. She likes that type of stuff. Yeah, I can think of seven good uses of a cadaver today. No, Dr. Frankenstein. We got to turn in the body if there's one in there. All right. Don't do that. Yeah, so good uh, Oprah Winfrey impersonation there by uh, Leslie Jones. So, um... Yeah, it doesn't really, because you kind of wonder before you see it, is it going to be, are they going to be called the same character names? Is it going to be like a reboot? Are they going to refer to it? They don't really refer to it in any way. It's kind of like a brand new film. And I wondered with certain parts of the story, was it like, oh, they've caught, somebody has got old ghost traps from the past and is re-releasing them or something. But it kind of revolves around a bad guy, Neil Casey, who's a hotel worker and he's trying to... Disgruntled. Yeah. Put in his character description. He's kind of trying to release ghosts back into the world. And um, Kristen Wiig is trying to get um, tenure at a... University kind of high. It's a it's a, a really highbrow. Yeah, like Harvard or department. something yeah. like that. And it has the first uh, cameo in it of a bust of uh, Harold Ramis, who's dead. Obviously, uh, he couldn't make the film. And then she had a past life where her and her friend Melissa McCarthy were really into ghosts. Kind of went into it and published a book. And she thought she'd got rid of it, but Melissa McCartney is still involved in the process. Melissa and McCarthy being probably the breakout star from. Bridesmaids, and that was her. Yeah, kind of. Paul Feig has brought her back. Yeah, so Kate McKinnon, who plays uh, Gillian Holzman, is working with Melissa McCarthy, and then when Kristen Wiig goes back to try and be like, "Hey, you have to get rid of that book because I'm not going to get my tenure if you don't," they then start getting these calls about ghosts and getting back involved with it. Um, yeah, I thought it was hilarious. Really, really enjoyed it. Loads of fun. 
good kind of knowing gags and it has nice wee touches to the first ones you know uh dan Aykroyd turns up as a cab driver bill murray is he ain't uh, afraid of no ghosts as a mystic and then at the end the one where you were like because before the end i was kind of like is he did he die as well uh ernie hudson uh turns up as it i won't spoil it and scorny waivers and as well in, his, in a wee brilliant cameo in the credits so kind of stick around for the the end credits um yeah it's really fun looks good enough um good kind of knowing jokes chris hemsworth is in it and it's kind of you know reverse joke of the dumb blonde secretary or something like you know he kind of and then he's a bigger part in it towards the end but um i was thinking i only saw it yesterday so i kind of have been thinking of it loads and i was a bit reluctant going into star trek so i was like it's gonna be a really serious kind of star trek movie like this was just tons of fun and yeah what do you think of it um yeah no i i enjoyed it i guess because we'd followed it so much i just find it all very forgettable story line wise i'm not going to remember anything about it i'll remember more the fact that it had all women that the plot was great or that the the plot of its production was probably better than the actual story it's a little bit daft in as a thing but it sort of yeah. knows that but for me what i thoroughly enjoyed the most was seeing uh the likes of kate mckinnon and leslie jones like with their big screen kind of things yeah yeah it's a real like snl and numbly film yeah and I that guy a... who's the bad guy was looking up he used to be a writer in snl for one of the seasons as well and if you look at the and rest Kristen of the cast Wig and Melissa mccarthy is a guest uh, yeah. host on it every year and which is sort of fitting because the original film had a big saturday night live connection as well yeah. um so yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed that. I thought Kate McKinnon was really, really funny. Leslie Jones, well, we're recording this now on Wednesday, but uh, she left Twitter yesterday because of all the racist yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's weird. Like, it's annoying that that's the stuff that people are talking about. Yeah. Not that. But, like, she is very funny and she's great. There's kind of yeah. this whole storyline with her where she's, like, a guide to New York almost. And the thing that connects this and Midnight Special. No? Do mm. no. Ley Lines. Oh. Yeah, they reference that in Midnight Special. Um, Yeah, so she's kind of brought into it and she's some good jokes but I like the way they make kind of reference to all that like there's the bit where she falls yeah. in the crowd and she's like I don't know if this is a woman thing or a black thing Yeah, and you're like ah that's pretty funny yeah and there's a couple of great spots if you watch any like Silicon Valley or Veep or you're kind of up to date in your comedy people it's as much about spotting them I just think the story was a little bit weak and didn't befit yeah. the talent involved uh-huh. but you know I love that and it's just strange now it's sort of this subject of some sort of feminist war where people are like this is the greatest film ever and I can never, you know, we, we're we not allowed to be feminists because we're men, we can be feminists. I'm a feminist. feminist. No, you're literally not allowed. If you actually ask a true feminist, because you have Don't a penis, care. you're not allowed. But we can be feminist allies. Yeah. Uh, okay, but anyway, we will never have that thing of like, if you were an 11-year-old girl, you went to see Ghostbusters 1984 and it's four guys and you're like, oh, that's deadly, but also... It's not really me. Whereas if an eleven-year-old girl now goes to this and yeah. sees this and and they just happen, that's amazing. Like I was it's just frustrating to... to me that like it has to be this big narrative that society gets so wound up about it. And but that that's super. But that was guys cool who did that it. though. The guys have done exactly. It's like the this fanboys bragging on it though. But then the opposite has sort of happened in like the super defense. People have been like, it's the greatest movie ever. It's not a patch on bridesmaids for me. Like it's very true, and it's not as yeah. funny as the heat, but it's still kind of up there. Like I was listening yeah. to Kevin Smith do a review of it. Did he um, like it? Huh? Did he like it? Yeah, but the point he was kind of making was like, before he went to see it, he was like, there was four wee girls all dressed up as Ghostbusters kind of doing the yeah. thing. And I was like, yeah, brilliant. So that's what's brilliant about it. Yeah. So I've enjoyed that more. Like the story in it just wasn't wasn't amazing. But anyway. Yeah, but like it's the same story as the first film. 
Yeah. Okay, grand. Fine. So you're not a Ghostbusters fan in general. Like maybe that's it. Yeah, maybe. that's fair enough. But like, then I don't think you yeah. can single it out for. It's not a great story. It kind of implying that the first one was amazing a story or something like. No. Grant. No. Just cool. saying. Just saying. Okay, it's very warm. Let's go to. So we were out. It's out actually in about uh, ten days' time or maybe two weeks' time. But uh, we saw it this week. Um, it's the Blake Lively shark film. I didn't know who she Shaman. was. I realized when you read, read, wrote the review afterwards, I was like, oh, right, cool. Gossip Girl. Gossip Girl. And she was in Savages, the Oliver Stone film, and it's Ryan Reynolds' uh, wife. I think they have some kids. Oh, um, cool. Which is cool because he did a film where he was trapped in a box. And this is a film about Blake Lively trapped sort of 200 yards from shore with the tide going up and down as she tries to survive this killer shark that has um, sort of killed a number of other people who've tried to rescue her and stuff. And she's there and she got bitten by it and she's hanging out on the rock. So it's a very, very simple, low concept film. Um, we have a clip on it um, here. So this is sort of before uh, shit gets real, if you like. So to set it up... Uh, her character, whose name I've forgotten. That's fun, isn't it? Doesn't even matter. Surfer Girl. Surfer Girl. Ah, that's not very fair. Nancy. It wasn't Nancy Drew. Something like that. I'm just going to call her Nancy Drew because uh, one of those names is, is correct. We'll know after the clip. Um, but she is sort of on the... Probably on the run from responsibility is a nice way to put it. She seems to be into her final year of medical college. We learn that her mother has... Uh, has died of cancer is that it we sort of hinted at and she's just sort of given up on life so she's gone to find herself she's gone to the mexican coast visiting a hidden beach that her mother uh visited and there was photographs of her mother visiting while she's pregnant with nancy drew um and so she it's sort of part of this cathartic journey to go and revisit that and and all that anyway so she arrives on the beach and it's all abandoned this guy just drops her off and this lovely ominous thing of like how are you going to get out of here and she's like i don't know uber and all in my head i was like roaming charges does no one pay roaming so anyway this is her she's sort of swam out to sea and uh she meets you know there's a couple of two other surfacers so she gets to meet them so whatever she's saying that you should come over here the wave breaks better oh i'm okay i'm okay i'm cool here thank you careful gringa i think i'll be all right the two people were dancing beside me in the seats when that was playing yeah the music is pumping pumping absolutely pumping it's there's a bit in Star Trek just as we're talking about a surfing surfing movie did you enjoy the bit where they were surfing in space um there was a bit where um they figure out how to kill the things and then it turns into a big like there's a wave oh, yeah and i was like oh come on this would be ridiculous yes uh Sorry, speaking of waves speaking of waves so anyway yeah it's for me i i dipped in and out of it but it's a really really nicely constructed thing the director uh what's his name anton you know oh uh, jo- Sarah. Didn't want to get that wrong. So he directed the two uh, Liam Neeson films, Run All Night and Nonstop, which were kind of functional, simple. Uh, did you see them? 
I saw part of the recent yeah, yeah. Uh, Liam Neeson canon Rebirth, of, yeah. Uh, action the film like, is, plot, very simple concept yeah the film's way more serious than it needs to be I think like this The Shadows um, it thinks it's a horror film it's not at all it's just a bit of crack like yeah that. like it should have been Snakes on a Plane vibe or something I don't know mm. I just thought it was just like do you know how stupid and ridiculous this film is and it's trying to be serious like it's a bit jumpy at times but like the way the shark it's more a laugh like and it's so it's in, it looks amazing like they've done such a good job shooting it there's one or two dodgy bits of cgi mm. where like lively had a body double like for the surfing and oh, you can right. see the face was kind of they didn't need to do it but um yeah and she zips up her wetsuit very like provocatively provocatively or but there's like a running joke is well not a running joke she's got a sidekick of a seagull it's just fucking stupid mm. i think if you do any film at a beach you need either like a a ball or something. Did you watch Last Man on Earth? Uh, yeah. Finally, I still have five episodes to go. So. Oh, I kind of tuned out halfway balls, season two. It's, uh, it's less. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, it's not a TV podcast. It's just a bit daft and you're kind of like, grand, but it, it's 90 minutes. But you're kind of watching and being like, why is this being made? And the way it looks and everything, couldn't have cost less than a couple of million, no? Yeah, and we'll make good, good money. Don't know the budget. She probably costs quite a bit, but just a grand nice little simple i just love a low concept thing like and i mentioned buried it's not a pa- like yeah yeah um that her husband made you're so sexist i think so but no just as a little link yeah um and that was just nice because that was a uh, you have to get from a to be and survive this sort of thing and i'm sort of into that even green room you know that's a what did you here's, think of the... here's what the job is so she was on a rock she had to get to a life boy to save her life so like just drop me in i could have cut it down to a nice 40 minutes yeah but it's nowhere near as the suspense on his green room no no not at all yeah. but just i like what did you make of the on-screen it's technology a three. i give it a three ah yes representations of mobile phones it's um, a bit ott yeah she has a sony phone and she's sort of on instagram but they're not showing the instagram logos and stuff but like at some point half the screen up on screen in a big wide uh yeah sort of crane shot and then the her phone is superimposed onto it that's sort of innovative enough um, it was a bit too much it was a bit like ah oh, no it's okay house cards we text yeah. coming up on the screen i was but more like... curious about both battery power and also her roaming charges like she does a and a you don't find video call from a beach in mexico at an abandoned beach wouldn't buy it don't buy it and you don't find out the name of the beach there's this running thing where it's just like what's the name of the beach and no one will tell her because it's a secret yeah Maybe it was called Shark's Boat. Shark Shallow yeah. or something. But it's out uh, It's out August 12th, actually. So it's a little bit away, but um, a lovely one to kind of watch uh, if you're kind of feeling like you want a dumb, simple, low-concept kind of thing. I gave it three. You're probably being me. I think I gave it one and a half. Like, but it's, it's pointless. Really yeah. You're giving another film next up, though. It's getting all Half a star. Yeah. I haven't seen this. Uh, Nigel hasn't seen this, but it came out a couple of weeks ago, The Neon Demon, from Nicholas Winding Refn, who I've quite liked his earlier films. Everybody kind of loved Drive. Less love for Only God Forgives, but I quite dug it, you know, with the visuals in it. And then we get The Neon Demon, which stars Ellie Fanning. Ellie Fanning. Ellie Fanning, who Where plays... sister go? Jessie. I don't know. She's not going And uh, she's a new model or wannabe model who arrives in California fresh off the bus and instantly becomes you know huge and there's kind of trio of other models we've got Jenny Malone who plays Ruby is a stylist Pelle Heathcote and Abby Lee so there are the trio or like the witches of Eastwick who kind of take her in and instantly hate her because she's you know beautiful and like I kind of wrote a review of it so it's just kind of saying what I said in the review I hated it and um, all the male characters in it are 
despicable, horrible. None of them are nice. Does it visually look good? Um, mildly, but it's so tedious and boring. Like the whole thing in it is that like, oh, beauty is everything. But like, there's a reason beauty is only skin deep, and it's just like it's so boring and it drags on and on. It's really loads of it doesn't make any sense it's all really like abstract and like loads of people have said oh it's a real nod to Dario Argento and you're like yeah but it's it seems so exploitative at the start you're kind of like no it's not that bad because he's showing faces which is creepier like there's a bit where she's getting a photograph shoot taken with some amazing photographer and of course he's a man so he's a perv and he covers her from head to toe naked in gold dust but it only focuses on her head. So you're like, right, it's not that exploitative. It makes it more creepy because you can't see it and you're just looking at her face. Cut to an hour later when uh, two women are washing each other off in the shower and there's this dance music pumping and you're like, right, well, so like it's, it is just pure exploitative. And then people are going, yeah, but it's not exploitative cinema. It's like, grand, I don't enjoy that, you know? Mm. And anybody who's been raving about it seemingly are white middle-aged men in their 40s and 50s, which always makes me wonder, you know, I've seen or read no women raving about this review. They've all been like, "Eh, it's kind of, like, it's just, it's so boring. What struck me when I read more about it was, I think she filmed a lot of that when she was like 16. She only turned, Elle Fanning only turned 18 in Well, she's April. playing a 16-year-old in it, which is... It just sounds, yeah, weird. Like, you'd hope that it's yeah. not something that... I don't know. It's it's yeah. a really unpleasant, creepy film. There's loads of stuff in it. Because, you know, you see it at 18s for the first hour, you're not, and then the first thing, you're like, oh, right, this is why it's 18s. And it's not shocking or, like, you know, it's just boring. And you're like, what's next? Come on keep moving but and it's the kind of annoying film where the director could be like oh that's you know it was supposed to be a vacuous portrayal of model life and I don't know it was just really didn't it'll definitely be if David Cronenberg was given the same script would he have made a better film yeah he did he made um, Maps to the Stars and it's brilliant mm, that's what I was thinking yeah. in your head yeah. so that's why I'm wondering whether the problem is with Mr. Nicholas oh totally I think so yeah he's just disappeared up his own asshole like so are you going to just tell us, Drive, you're willing to admit it might have been a fluke? Oh, Ooh, potentially, yeah. Maybe. But a friend, Ronan, pointed out that he didn't write Drive. It's based on a novel, whereas he wrote and directed Only God Forgives, and he wrote and directed this. So maybe he's just... Better with and he's not a writer. The dialogue is atrocious in it. Like, it's not believable in any way. So he needs to step up his game. All right. Yeah. Um, movie moment of the month? Uh, mine anyway will I yeah, do mine you go for it um, it's from a documentary that came out a fortnight ago uh, Wiener which is about do you know who Anthony Wiener is oh yeah I haven't seen this yet oh, the documentary looks amazing it's very good it's great uh, so Anthony Wiener is known as being the politician who showed his willy to people with picture messages when he was a congressman so he was a New York congressman and did that his career was ruined the film picks up about 18 months after that controversy when he decides to run for mayor of New York City. So um, it's good. Anyway, his wife, the more fascinating thing is his wife is... Uh, he stuck by her? Pu- no? Uh, yeah, the whole way through. Her name is uh, Huma and she is Hillary Clinton's uh, campaign manager now in real life and had worked with the Clintons the whole way through and was... Uh, or not campaign one of the Hillary Clinton has many campaign managers she's like Hillary Clinton's right hand woman right now in real life so there's there's a scene in it my movie moment of the the month was when Huma was ringing up 
uh, donors that she had met and people like through Hillary and Bill Clinton and just begging them pretty much for money saying oh how's it going I haven't heard you for him to run as mayor for him to run as mayor and then she'll hang up and she'll like yeah yeah I got him and all this you like, does she know that the camera is here and that and so it's weird it's weirdly kind of more damaging to her because I guess we, Anthony Weiner but if she seems to have weathered the storm because presumably she yeah. was involved with Clinton 18 months ago uh, what do you mean? Like when the what story broke, like she didn't have to resign oh, from. Oh, yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. No, she's sort of immune, and she stood by him, and blah blah blah. And it's of course, not like he was with Hillary anyone Cl- in the Oval Office. Exactly. There is the great irony <laughs> in all this that you see more. The <clears throat> the film's more interesting when it's about her because she's the one uh, who had to live through this, and now she right? works with Hillary, yeah, who also put up with Bill. So, uh, really, really interesting and uh yeah even if you don't get to see it in the cinema i think it'll probably be one to pick up after that but uh mine is just a quick one from ghostbusters it's when kate mckinnon uh unleashes her guns she got these new uh, ghostbuster guns she plays holtzman and it kind of she unleashes them k- kills a load of ghosts and the kind of music the theme tune is kicking off and i was like ah this is cool like you know it's exciting kind of probably the highlight of the film so yeah that's mine I sold a record player uh, to a guy on adverts. I guess he's probably not listening. Um, but he, the record player, the speed was a little bit slow. And I was like, God, what can I do? How will I, how will I get this okay for the demo? So I get the Ghostbusters soundtrack and put it on. And it's wonderful because the speed is sort of like... And it works perfectly fine when it's... Because I think it's playing at maybe like... What should it be going at? 33 So I'd say it's going at about maybe 30 or 31. It's losing a bit. But um, yeah, he's delighted. He only had two records already. There were Aslan Aslan albums. And so he was looking to get back to the authentic music. So I think he's happy enough with with speed and tempo. He had no interest. So um, delighted. And a lovely man. Thanks to him for for listening. Don't uh, ransack the house and yeah. Um, So uh, 10 days ago, uh, we were at the Galway Film Festival, which was um, playing in, unsurprisingly, Galway, yeah. Galway which... European the, capital. Yeah, congratulations to them there. In 2020, a year of good eyesight, they are going to be Ireland's, sort of represent, representing Ireland in the European capital. Culture. Along They'd with be, Croatia, I think, no? Okay, I yeah. think there's two European so cities. That's if the EU still exists at that stage. So um, they beat Limerick and then uh, combined three sisters. So well done to all... Uh, from Galway but anyway my picks that I saw actually the main one I was supposed to probably talk about very quickly is Mom and Me it's a Ken Wardrop uh, documentary which Ken Wardrop became very well known for directing his and hers he'd done a lot sort of under the radar before that nothing that across my uh, path but a lot of people have referenced it since then and kind of recommended stuff so he's been really good at showcasing the I don't know what would you say the Irish condition all of our insecurities the way we yeah uh, the, the familial Irish relations people's. and stuff yeah psyche yeah, the Irish psyche and our love of each other and everything. So for this, he decided to say, fuck that. And he went to America to show American familial uh, relations between uh, adult men and their mothers. Moms. And their moms. So the film's called Mom and Me. The premise is that he... And you can see this in the cinema right now. That is that he he saw a report about Oklahoma being the... Um, manly city manly. in America. Yeah. So then he has this concept where it's a radio disc jockey. like, And it's called The Joe Show. And I wonder, was that a nod to Joe Duffy? 
Um, so he's putting the lines out. Oh, you know, call me in, tell me stories about your mom. And then people ring in and it cuts to them, which is a horrible kind of conceit because the whole time you're like, this is not really happening. And it's fake. It's very constructed and weird. And the stories, I actually really embraced a lot of the characters. It's 15 uh, men and their mothers featured in it. And some of them really, I thought was great, but just could have done without that bullshit with the radio. And even with the huge credit to him, no one to call it anything, but like even in the Q&A after, it, he sort of pretty much admitted he wanted to do this this thing with the DJ and then he just kind of came up with the idea to fit yeah, which it is with r- the mums. Yeah, really weird. He kind of, you know. He was a bit too honest. Yeah. But anyway, it's in cinema now. Uh, I, I did it, like I enjoyed it enough. I think I went down the two and a half or three, but it's just when you compare it to the... His and hers isn't a passion. It's a different world. And it's probably maybe if we were American, if we were from Oklahoma and we were we were good relationships with our mothers and we were adult men, we'd love it. But I just couldn't connect with it on that level. But uh, other than that, what caught your eye? So for me, kind of, I was ranting about them on Twitter. Uh, shorts. I missed the kind of two big ones. You got to see them and you'll talk about I it. I wish I was in shorts now. It's very hot. Um, uh, Dave from Mad Mary and... What was the young uh, gangster one? The Young Offenders. Young Offenders. So I missed those kind of. So the big kind Why of features. Uh, I was working. Mm. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. You weren't working on the. Yeah, it's fair enough. So um, gig, the yeah. shorts were the ones that really kind of impressed me over the night. Two of the animated ones were second to none by Vincent Gallagher, who went on to win the kind of best animation at the FLA about a guy who's a twin brother. Um, and his brother is a couple of seconds older so he's always the second oldest person in the world and it's his attempt to kill his brother and become the oldest person in the world uh, great animation very violent which you're not expecting because the way it starts out it's really like oh this is lovely and then some guy gets his arm chopped off and you're like oh brilliant it had the whole place in stitches Joining mm-hmm. Dots by Fiona Ryan was a really lovely sweet story because the animation thing you kind of have this thing where it's the D-I-T-I-A-D-T and students kind of making their end of year projects and showcase them and like 50% of them are kind of shit because they've no idea or story or anything it's more so just like here's I can draw or I can do this or I can do this but joining dots was a lovely wee small concept of a daughter uh, joining dots in the sky with her finger and turn them into creatures and then kind of bonds with her dad over it and it won the best um, animated first time short so then live action I had three fire by Christopher Andrews is kind of about a guy who's crazy with rage then we had brilliant one stars uh, it's quite long one it's more about half an hour um, set in the north I'd say that'll have to get a kind of more generally released maybe check it out at film festivals if you figure out any of these are coming for release i'll tweet them and then the last one which is brilliant changing the weather by merce crowley who wrote directed and starred in it it's a kind of great one about um being gay in irish society and the kind of whole secret of nature of it mm. be great to get to see some of these now the frustrating yeah. thing with shorts is that mm. they they seem to live this life of like 18 months or whatever where yeah. they where they just exist on festival things they might get an oscar thing which means you might see them in a compilation thing in dublin but very often i don't know how the new ifi player thing is going to work when it launches it'd be cool if you know it had a archive of shorts or yeah for for free or yeah that you can click on and have a look or maybe and the RTE archive no the archives no uh no these would be film boards so yeah it'd be down to the our film board to work with someone uh, and get production companies on board. A lot of stuff goes out on the Monday night uh, thing on RT2. Short, short screen. Short screen, yeah. So people behind that, be great if... Like, because these aren't being seen anywhere. And there's incredible talent and they just sit in the path. But anyway, the, my two then are Irish features that I'm looking forward to getting a better one. One is 
uh, A Date for Mad Mary. That's the film set in my hometown of Drogheda, directed by Drogheda man Darren Thornton. Huge uh, surprise for me. Really uh, took a lot from it. It's not... So, like, this got rave reviews. I found a few things wrong with it, but um, it's still, I think I gave it four. It's really, really... It's a great Irish drama and haven't had one that kind of felt more you know like okay we loved the brooklyn and room were phenomenal and getting irish drama but they didn't feel irish in a fair way yeah, like yeah, you know yeah, they yeah. in fact they weren't because they literally were american and they felt on a different level but this was like a nice sort of independent thing sort of felt sort of low budget and just loved it and then cardboard gangsters from director mark o'connor out in middle of october which is basically love hate set in darndale with uh John Connors, so fascinating stuff. Um, cool. That's more or less it. Yeah. So, what are you looking forward to next month? What's your August oh, pick? Oh, um, my my pick was one I thought was coming out in July, but it hasn't yet. My pick is actually the Bourne movie because I'm going on holidays. I'm surprised, now. yeah, you didn't pick. But that. it's out on, yeah. on July 29th. So ah, really we kind of. had, uh, haven't seen it. I don't think I haven't seen any or read any reviews, but it's actually that I've been come back. Saw trailer now. before before Ghostbusters. Looks gonna be good. But but then for August compliance is. Uh, uh, the purge election year so we're in an election year as you may or may not have noticed amidst the Donald Trump becoming a Republican candidate this week uh, so from director James DeMonaco uh, I just love the purge films yeah I still two. haven't seen the second one the first one is very good it's concept. a simple concept I just like these I love a hook I love a genre <laughs> film with a hook so that's out on the 26th folks cool mine is a bit earlier it's out August 5th it's Suicide Squad uh, I'm quite looking forward to this and getting into the trailer he's kind of coming out it's directed by David Iyer and he was the director of Fury brilliant World War 2 film uh, from a year or two ago so uh, yeah. uh, you know when I saw he was behind it I was like oh this is going to be decent enough yeah so uh, yeah that's out August 5th so very good. So we'll wrap up with a tribute to a man who died 17 months ago. Uh, here is Spock talking to whales in Star Trek for A Voyage Home. Um, and yeah, go see Star Trek. Or Live long and prosper. Eh? Yeah. And now, here's a much better way to see George and Gracie. Underwater. What you're hearing is recorded whale song. It is sung by the male. He'll sing anywhere from six to as long as 30 minutes and then start again. In the ocean, the other whales will pick up the song and pass it on. The songs change every year and we still don't know what purpose they serve. Are they some kind of navigational signal? Could they be part of the mating ritual? Or is it pure communication beyond our comprehension? Frankly, we just don't know yet. Maybe he's singing to that man. What the hell? Excuse me, wait right here. Speak up, though. Attempting the hell to communicate. Communicate? Communicate what? You have no right to be here. You heard the lady. Admiral, 
If we were to assume that these whales are ours to do with as we please, we would be as guilty as those who caused their extinction. Okay. I don't know what this is all about, but I want you guys out of here right now, or I call the cops. I assure you that won't be necessary. We're only trying to help. The hell you were, Buster. Your friend was messing up my tanks and messing up my whales. They like you very much, but they are not the hell your whales. I, I suppose they've told you that, huh? The hell they did. Right. I think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. Take one. Do you want anything from the shop?